On today's show, ESPN dropped its top 10 player rankings. We'll tell you why they got it wrong at the very top. Plus, can the NBA reverse the trend of load management, or is it too late? All of that and more coming up on today's edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg here as always with Adam Mares. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We'll talk about the NBA's efforts to curb load management and if we think it can work later on. But let's start with ESPN's popular NBA ranked series, Adam, which ranks, as we know, the top 100 players in the NBA going into each season. Their top 10 came out yesterday. So let me just redo their list and then we can talk about how they got it wrong, because I do believe they got it wrong here um, in a pretty egregious way. Uh, Number 10, they have Anthony Davis. Number nine, they've got LeBron. Eight, they've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA. At number seven, they got Kevin Durant. Number six is Jason Tatum. Number five, okay, so we're in the top five now. We've got Steph at number five, Luka at number four, Joel Embiid at number three, Nikola Jokic at number two, and Giannis at number one. Now, I think they actually got it wrong at the bottom. I, I think that there's a couple of guys that should probably be in the top ten that weren't and a couple I guys agree. that were in the top ten that shouldn't be. Um, but let's start at the very top of this thing. Okay. I'm going to be – I know you're the Denver guy here. Sure. I am completely outraged that and, – and not really outraged, just like online outraged – that Nikola Jokic is not number one after all that he just did in the in that championship run and delivering the Nuggets an NBA championship. Like, look, this is nothing against Giannis, right? I don't even – I don't yeah. want to do like – I don't want to start picking holes in Giannis's game because that's not really the point. My point is that Nikola Jokic was so dominant and so good and so unstoppable – and there were no answers that anybody had, right? Minnesota, uh, whatever team they play in the second round, the Lakers, the the Heat in the NBA Finals. Like, nobody could stop that guy. And I wrote for Real GM after the Finals. I was like, that's it. We have an undisputed best player in the world for basically the first time, I yeah. think, in an undis- in an absolutely undisputed way, for the first time since LeBron was that guy at his very peak, probably like those Cleveland days, right? When he was like those early Cleveland days when he was still – easily the number one player in the world. And there was really no debating it. And any debate started at really number two, number three, number four, like who was behind LeBron. I think we are at that place with Nikola Jokic. I thought we were certain everybody was in agreement with that, but apparently no, people are still going to put Giannis number one. I just think Jokic is too dominant, too unsolvable. And I would have him at number one. And I have him at my number one. I, well, here's the thing. This is ESPN's list. There were a lot of lists that came out over the last couple weeks, months, Mm -hmm. where Jokic was number one. In fact, I think there was the GM survey that just came out, you know, where Jokic came in number one in in almost every category that was asking best player. So this one, to me, was so out of left field and so surprising that I kind of feel like ESPN knew what they were doing. (laughs) They had a list and they're like, you know, it would like quadruple the clicks on this. Like, what if we just get locked on NBA talking about it? Yeah, you know how we get them talking because I don't know if this would have been a topic otherwise. Um, So I almost feel that way. But that bad faith argument aside, um, Giannis had a phenomenal regular season. Yes. 
he he's won a championship just three seasons ago now. I know that's he's a little MVP. bit He was top three in MVP last year. Right. I know we're starting to get a little bit removed from that, but he is obviously clearly great. And I, you know, ESPN, it was so close. It's the closest battle for number one we've ever had, which I love. Um, kind of like the closest uh, sweep that the Lakers have, you know, have ever had. So <laughs> the Nuggets sweep the Lakers. But so I, part of me looks at this and goes, I actually think Jokic Giannis is fairly close. But there's something about Jokic that this happened three months ago. We had one of the greatest playoff runs in NBA history. We all witnessed it. The mm-hmm. Nuggets were 16 and four. He made every big shot, didn't miss any big shots, made all of them, didn't have a single bad game in the entire 20 game run. And three months go by, and it's like, you kind of forgot, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't, that was a while ago. If there was going to be an argument, for Giannis, and I think the argument is what he does defensively, Jokic can't even touch it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess in that, so I understand that point of view. It's like, all right, like obviously Jokic is amazing offensively, but so is Giannis. Look at his points per game. Look at the this, this statistics. Look what he does near the rim and all these things, and it's dominant, and it is dominant offensively. Defensively, he's much better. He's on another planet. I mean, he's a defensive player of the year caliber defender, and Jokic is average maybe above average at best right and so it's not even compare a a comparison on that end my argument against that and it's similar to my argument with milwaukee and boston too again sort of on paper we don't really know what those teams look like yet everybody's like well boston has no holes they have no weaknesses and i'm like well i don't know that they have an answer for milwaukee's best thing i don't know that to me the great i would rather have this great strength as opposed to zero weaknesses and in milwaukee's case i just don't know how boston solves the Giannis. Damian Lillard pick and roll. I just don't see it. And so for me, I've got Milwaukee as my favorite in the Eastern Conference this year. It's sort of similar with Jokic versus Giannis. Giannis has fewer weaknesses, I guess you could say, than Jokic, right? Because of what he does defensively. But I just don't know that there's a solve for what Nikola Jokic does at his very best. And you know how I know that? Is because nobody could do it. We just saw it. He is so dominant, so perfect on the offensive end, so unsolvable that to me, forget about the defensive concerns, forget about all of it. His greatest strength is so much greater than what anybody else provides in the right. league that I would just rather have that and build around that than anything else. I'll tell you one other thing ESPN is doing here that I think is brilliant. If you put Jokic number one and Giannis number two, I think everybody, there's still a lot of like intrigue about, mm, I don't know, they're close, but okay. But putting it this way, I think there's a really good chance. I mean, this, we got a whole season. You got a lot of variables. There's a good chance that Milwaukee and Denver meet in the finals. Mm-hmm. And to ESPN's point, I do think there is a huge gap between two and three, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. one and two is really close. So I do think you set the stage for, wouldn't it be great? Like when was the last time we had two players who were both like, I don't know, half the people think this is the best guy that half the people think this. And then there's a stylistic difference right. between the two. It's been a long time. I mean, Kobe and LeBron, we never got, but I remember back that, you know, they were such different types of players and it was like, well, which, which one's better, which mold do you like better? So I would love for this matchup to happen. It did happen by the way, a year ago in Serbia, team Mm -hmm. Serbia versus team Greece. It went to overtime. It was an incredible battle. Both guys played phenomenal. Um, Jokic hit a turnaround Sambor shuffle from the corner to seal the game. It was pretty remarkable, but both guys played great. So I think this would be this is setting the stage for what could be a really great like the NBA has not sold Jokic very well. And mm-hmm. I think they've sold Giannis well in part because he won a couple years back. I think the NBA needs to not go full Kobe LeBron where we get the puppets and we try to like hammer it over the head. 
But I do think you plant the seed for potential storylines. And one, maybe the single best storyline would be the two new heirs to the throne are on a collision course for each other. And we can argue right now and we can argue all year about who's better. But these two guys might settle it in June. I love that. Uh, And what's so interesting about that is the number three guy on the list is Joel Embiid. That was sort of the guy that was supposed to be the Jokic rival. It feels like now Jokic with the championship and what he's done in the postseason he surpassed Joel Embiid, and no like Joel Embiid was the MVP of the regular season last year. But Jokic has surpassed Joel Embiid, and he's moved up to now Giannis. Uh, and maybe it's actually years from now we're looking back at this era, and it, we're going to say actually it was never Jokic and Embiid. Maybe right. it was Jokic and Giannis, and that would be a very interesting outcome here. Let's fiddle around with the the bottom of this top ten here. They had Anthony Davis and LeBron and SGA well, at ten, yeah. nine, and eight. Kevin Durant at seven. Um, well, yeah. I. I actually don't really have a problem necessarily with anybody. We could debate like the order of guys. I just don't know if I'm ready to put Anthony Davis back in the top 10. Yes, he was dominant <laughs> in the playoffs, but I need, him just, I need him to play more. And if you're going to have Kawhi, I think they had Kawhi like in the 30s, which I'm fine with because he doesn't play, right? And yeah. if you're going to have Anthony Davis this high, I just feel like there's a little bit of disparity there. I would have rather have seen one of Jimmy Butler or Devin Booker. And we're not talking about a crazy – like they had Booker yeah. and Butler 11 and 12 respectively. But I think it makes more – I would rather have either one of those guys than than Anthony Davis. And I would probably have put uh, Jimmy Butler at number 10 based on what he did in the playoffs last year and in, in three of the last four years. Here's what's funny to me. This list, the top 100, not even the top 10, the top 100 more than ever had the weirdest rankings between playoff success and regular season success. Because and I think it's hard. Like those are almost two different. They're going different directions now to where you you have a hard time figuring out what's what. I think that a guy like Anthony Davis was dominant in the playoffs, but didn't you know regular season's been a little bit this or that. LeBron James to me was the guy who I think was most impressive of all the people Denver went up against. LeBron to me was probably the single scariest player mm-hmm. um, that Denver faced both ways defensively and offensively, and it went a little under the radar because Denver swept the Lakers. But so I think LeBron might actually be a little underrated. I have, I have him underrated. I think I have him at eight right now. And I'm not even, I don't even know if I feel great about that. He might be too low. I'm I, like, if I'm the last one off of like LeBron as a top, yeah, whatever player in the NBA, I'll be happy to be the last one on that. Like, I'm Nobody, nobody's going to make fun of you for being the last guy on right. arguably the greatest player. Um, I think Kevin Durant to me is the guy that's massively overrated. When I mm. talk about going up against, you know, who who scared you going up against him? Denver, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker was the scarier player by far in that series, the, the Suns Nugget yeah. series. Some of that's matchup, I guess. But I think a lot of that was just their physical limitations since the injury for Kevin Durant that I think go, un, you know, sort of under discussed. And then there's also just um, read difficulty. I mean, he really had a hard time for the second year in a row reading the uh, the double teams and and, and right. getting out of traps. So for me, he's a guy that it's like, is there a scheme that makes him less than he is? Yes. With a player like LeBron, there really isn't. You know, he just maybe he's too old or this or that. But so I think Kevin Durant's a guy that gets uh, bumped up a little bit too much. And I think LeBron's a guy that maybe it's coming for him this year. And this is supposed to be a list projecting forward. But last year, when it mattered, he was as good at guarding Jokic as anyone. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, as good as orchestrating an offense as, you know, basically he has been in his career. And still putting up amazing regular season numbers too, right? So right. I'm with you. I would I would have probably, I think you talked to me, I would have LeBron at seven probably above Durant. Yeah. 
think you, could even, you right. could even talk me into LeBron over Jason Tatum at this point. I, honestly. Same, same with me, actually. Same with me. So um, I would have Steph over Luca if we're quibbling with the top ten. They had Luca over Steph. Um, Can, that's, yeah. that's that's really where I'm at on this. How how impressive was Embiid in the playoffs this year? <laughs> not. I'm not trying just to trash on right. him for the second round, but it wasn't even just the second round. It was also did he look different than he did in the regular it, season? It, he did. The interesting. It, but he was so dominant in the regular season that you also can't <laughs> discount it. So it was like it, it's. It, I, it, I discount it, and I think uh, the. I honestly think the word is a little bit out about Embiid about how much he picks the favorable matchups and sits out to the other ones. And mm. I even Coach Prime Deion Sanders is calling him out, being like, "Hey man, why don't you play against the good players?" And I just think the tide is turning a little bit on uh, on him. Um, great Coach Prime reference. That's two of the last three weeks. It's always appreciated here. Uh, but we are going to move on uh, to the NBA's approach on load management. We've got science now. We've got science. The NBA, uh, they're trying to reverse the trend of load management. Why their latest attempt probably won't work. We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on NBA. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. We are in the thick of the NFL season. We're in NBA preseason, but the regular season is right around the corner. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Adam, you and I are banging the over on Minnesota's over-unders, right? They're at 44 and a half right now. Yeah. FanDuel is the place to bet that over, and I would bet that over. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Is Jordan Poole the next James Harden? We're going to talk about that here in a second, but first... The NBA's head of basketball operations, Joe Dumars, said the league has communicated to its players and teams that they're emphasizing that this is an 82-game season and that the league has data indicating that player rest does not necessarily translate the players being healthier. This on the heels of the player participation minimum. You've got to play 65 games at minimum to be eligible for your end-of-season awards. We, of course, have the, the debut of the in-season tournament. The NBA making a lot of efforts here, Adam, to try to increase the participation of its top players during the regular season, so much so that they, I guess, have to remind them that there's 82 games in it. Um, Adam, do you think that this can work? Um, You know what is going to work? The words that were used by Joe Dumars was culture. There needs to be a cultural shift in the NBA. Now, they talked about, did they release any data? Is there a study that they were like, here, take a look. Let's, right. let's peer review this study that shows that actually load management doesn't work. No, that part to me feels like, hey, we're getting ready to negotiate a TV rights deal. And we need to lie to everyone. That, is hey, this convenient? It's a very convenient time to release this very supportive study of the players playing more games, right? Because right. yeah, they are, in the, they are beginning right now to negotiate that broadcast deal. I'm glad you brought that up. So to me, it's almost like there's a lie agreed upon from the mm-hmm. NBA's league offices to uh, try to shift the culture. And you know what? I'm in on it. Yeah, I'm Let's here lie, baby. Let's lie. Let's come up with, a, I don't care. Let's get whatever false data we need. Because I do agree with the broader point, which is that this is more than a scientific issue, more than a like 
competitive issue or a logic issue. It's a cultural issue. These players and really the NBA, it's be, it's become too much of a science and less of an art. And people mm-hmm. don't like science the way they like art. <laughs> they really right. like art. You need to have that healthy balance. And I just feel like in today's NBA with tanking and with you know roster building and, and, and stockpiling draft picks and this or that, it's objectively smart to do those things, but it also weakens the product. Resting guys and holding guys out as many games as possible, lo- lowering the minutes. Objectively smart, but or maybe not. We'll have to see the study. But smart, but it makes the product worse. And I think this is what he's saying is, hey, we need a cultural shift. This NBA season with 82 games is how we make money. And it is a marathon that leads to a sprint. We might as well, you know, it's like the decathlon. It's multiple events. We can't throw out one just because we don't like it. You need to be able to condition your body for a marathon and condition it for a sprint afterwards. And there is going to be some attrition along the way. But buy into that culturally. Everybody buy into that because that's what sells. Jeff Van Gundy was on this last year saying like he thinks load management is actually bad and teams practicing less is actually bad because to your point, Adam, like your body isn't um, prepared to to kind of face the gruel of a long regular season, even with the load management and then obviously with the postseason. I, I buy this, by the way, again, yeah. scientifically, we could probably prove it or not, but I it makes logical sense to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I do wonder if the toothpaste is out of the tube on this already. Like you've already allowed star players to make the same amount of money without going to work as often necessarily. Like it's a little bit like post pandemic, like work from home stuff. And now you've got employers trying to bring, bring people back into the office. And it's like, well, are you going to give me a raise to come to the office uh, five days a week instead of three days a week or whatever it is? Like, I, I, I don't know that there is a reversal that's possible here, but also they, they got to try it because I don't know what the option is because right now it is a it's a really big it's a really big issue. There was a game last year, right, with with Denver and Golden State where they both both basically just rested their starters, and that that kind of spurred this conversation along. Like teams got you you got to have players participating, and I and I think more than anything, I think the sixty five game minimum is going to be the most important thing because now if you have awards on the line and awards are tied to contracts and extensions and things like that then players will at least try to get to that 65-game threshold. I, I'm going to disagree with your point here about it, the toothpaste being out of the tube because it certainly feels that way, and it's a huge challenge. But if you recall David Stern, who, by the way, is kind of the opposite of Adam Silver in ways that as time goes on, I think that people probably appreciate David Stern more mm-hmm. just because of his sort of draconian approach and, and iron-fisted approach to things. But, you know, players, he was worried about the image of the NBA – as as maybe um, you know, projecting some of the wrong things, and there were certainly dog whistles in how he saw that. But he said, "You know what? Dress code. Everybody put on a suit, and you know, and, and no more jeans and in uh, jerseys or whatever on the sideline." And obviously, there was a lot of blowback. But you know what happened? He said, "I don't care. I don't care about the morality of it. I don't care about the ethics. I don't care about the perception. This is what we're doing. Everybody, get in line and let's do it." And what happened was there was a cultural shift that has led to players saying, if we're going to wear suits, we're going to make them look good. And we're going to start to really style ourselves. And there's a cultural shift to now how people project it. Now, that's evolved over time. And now you get Dylan Brooks showing up in jean shorts and a tank top. And like now we have the fashion show. Yeah, Yeah, now now it's become somewhere. But for a long period of time, it was like, okay, guys are starting to wear suits. And there was an entire culture shift around that. To me, it's the exact same thing. And I think this is what Joe Dumars is getting in getting at 
And, and I think that players of that generation sort of had this culturally and they look at this generation and go, what are you guys doing? Who cares what is a little bit healthier, this or that? Don't you want to compete? Coach Prime, again, when he's talking to Joel Embiid, he's saying, oh. in my era, it was embarrassing to say, oh, well, it's better for later if I rest. Like, maybe if I guard this guy, it'll be better for long. It's like, no, show up and say, that guy's my guy. I'm going at him. And I think that that's the cultural shift that can happen. It takes an iron fist. It takes some a draconian approach. And maybe this new plan the NBA has to, like, punish people for load management, it doesn't make sense. And maybe it's hard and, like, you know, it's too abstract to actually enforce, but you know what? David Stern would enforce it at his own will. It would be a dictator's decision about, no, I said you're resting tonight. And right. so you're fine. And I don't care if you argue it or not, you're fine. And then eventually people don't toe the line and the culture changes. I do appreciate the, the, the how public they are making this stuff. Like Joe Dumars said these things on a call with national media reporters, right? So they're getting it out there. The NBA yeah. is taking a stand saying, Hey, and by the way, Everybody agrees with the NBA. There is not a, there is nobody, there is not an NBA fan that says, I actually love load management. Take the best players <laughs> off the court. Everybody other than the players agrees. So if there is going to be a pressure, maybe like a peer pressure almost around the players to maybe impact that cultural shift and, and change the tides a little bit more and just kind of get this ship turned around with sheer force. Uh, that's, that's what it's going to take. And, and the NBA under Adam Silver really hasn't been messaging this publicly anti-player very many things at all. This, they are very much like we stand here where a lot of the players tend to stand here. And to have Joe Dumars, by the way, on his side on this, I think could be very helpful. Um, all right, let's move on. Is Jordan Poole the next James Harden? We're going to debate that next year. <laughs> Not really, but kind of unlocked that NBA. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day we're gonna get to our countdown here in a second but adam kevin garnett on his podcast or a podcast or one of the many i don't know that there's enough player podcasts out there i'm not really sure um but went so far as to say that jordan Poole is the next james harden he said jordan Poole's gonna be the new james harden and look from from a storyline perspective i understand where he's coming from right like jordan Poole left a loaded team in Golden State, just like James Harden left a loaded team in OKC, kind of got his own team in Houston, Jordan Poole getting his quote-unquote own team with the Washington Wizards. Uh, he thinks he's going to be top five in scoring this year and that he's going to blow up the way that James Harden blew up. I would push back and say that last night, Jordan Poole went two for 11, two for 13 from the field yeah. in a preseason game, and I think we're going to see a lot of those kinds of games. I like Jordan Poole. I was very early on the Jordan Poole thing, even when he was a rookie and he wasn't very good. I th I thought that there was things there that I liked. I don't know that I necessarily want to debate the Jordan Poole versus James Harden thing because I just I think that's very clear that what Kevin Garnett was doing there. I don't think well, I don't think necessarily necessarily thinks that Jordan Poole is going to go on to win regular season MVP awards. I do like you're right. The sentiment though, I didn't realize that was the context. So you kind of clarified it for me as a guy who is. Um, sort of designed to be a number one, and so he's going to break out doing that. Whether mm -hmm. he's good or bad at it, okay, that makes a yeah. little more sense to me. He might be the next Jalen Green, whatever <laughs> that is. Um, so I thought that it would be fun to kind of go, uh, let's go just like off the wall, completely silly, maybe crazy, but maybe also we can argue it the way that we can argue the Jordan Poole-James Harden thing a little bit. There's a kernel there that's worth arguing. I thought we could just do other comparisons. So one of the ones that I had 
is, and it's out there, is that Anthony Edwards is the next Dwayne Wade. People are all over this after the FIBA World Cup run and all these things. They say that he plays very similar. Eric Spolstra, who obviously coached Dwayne Wade through his best years, even remarked similar things like that he reminds him of Dwayne Wade in the way that he moves across the court. He moves like a panther and all these things that Dwayne Wade moved like. Um, I think... I think Dwayne Wade is is obviously very lofty as a goal for somebody like Anthony Edwards. And uh, Dwayne Wade obviously is a three-time uh, NBA champion, Hall of Famer, multiple uh, you know All Stars, and all these things. I don't I don't know that expecting Anthony Edwards to get that far and, and accomplish those things in his career is fair necessarily. But I will say from a stylistic standpoint from the way that he moves, from the way that he dunks, from his competitive uh, uh, angle. I think there are a lot of similarities there. And again, if Eric Spolster wants to go so far as to say that there's a kernel there of Anthony Edwards that reminds him of Dwayne Wade, I'll buy it. Hey, I'm going to go with, I think when I watch him play, Paolo is the new mellow. I love that. They're like, they like look the same, similar bodies. They make the same moves. I mean, they are almost identical. They could be brothers. I, they could be. And I wonder if Melo would have been used more as like a center if he were Paolo's <laughs> age and playing in today's NBA. I love yeah. what uh, Paolo was able to do with the World Cup and, and how positionless he is in the in the front court. Um, and yeah, you're totally right about the offensive skill set and things like that. And by the way, Carmelo Anthony, I think his game is going to be a little bit more appreciated as we move on to like what he was able to do in Denver and, and the New York Knicks with the low post stuff and and the three-point shooting that he developed and all these things, uh, I feel like more players are, are starting to, to appreciate what he did. Um, I've got OG Ananobi is the new Miles Turner. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, you know, okay, all right. Miles Turner was the perfect solution for every team that was looking <laughs> for somebody to trade for every year yeah. in perpetuity oh, this is good. for what felt like a decade, Yeah, but never got traded. Yeah. Every team tries to talk itself into trading for OG Ananobi and how that's the missing piece, just like they did with Miles yeah. Turner. And you know what? OG Ananobi still has not gotten traded. And I think he's going to finish his career in Toronto at this point because I don't know that <laughs> if, they haven't, if they haven't traded him yet, I don't know that they're going to. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if they just said, you know what? We're just going to give him the extension. We're not going to trade this guy yeah. the way the Pacers did with Miles Turner. Now, obviously, the Pacers cannot still turn around and, and trade Miles Turner, and the Raptors could still turn around and trade OG Ananobi. But I just, I, I'm so sick of hearing fan bases talk about trading for OG and how they should do this. And then ultimately OG not get traded. My runner up for my OG and Anobi comparison, by the way, was Robert Covington. Yeah. I was going to say, but he's too good for that. Right. He's like, too good. He's a little too good. Like, Cause I was Robert Covington. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, he's good, but now <laughs> it's to the point where he's getting like overrated by the internet. Cause I yeah. feel like NBA Twitter just loves guys that can shoot threes and play defense. And that's Man, it. these are called Trevor Ariza all-stars. The yes. guys that like helped one team win a title in a very narrow role. And then for the next 15 years was like, what about Trevor Ariza? Could we remember when he did that thing for the Lakers? Like, what if he's that? That was Covington. I think Covington's still out there, right? Like he still could help a Expiring contract like. on the Clippers. There's te- <laughs> every, every team wanted Robert Covington for like four years. Yeah. Uh, this one is projecting forward. It's a little early, like but I've it. been I've been early on this all along. Jokic and Murray, the new Kobe and Shaq. Uh, hopefully, they get along better. I, I mean, for sure, this is if they got if they if they actually liked each other. Are they the new Kobe and Shaq? I love it. I I think you could even go the new Draymond and Steph. 
you know, I'm, not, I'm not ready to bury Draymond and Steph just yet, but with their chemistry and the way that they're able to just bend the game, I, I, I love it. Um, here, here, here's the difference, though. Steph is out. Draymond loses a lot of value. That's a really good point. Co- like Murray, you know, yeah. he can go Kobe yes. in a way that Draymond is really valuable, but he can't go Kobe. I like it. Um, speaking of Draymond, Zion is the new Draymond. Not on defense, because that that's not going to happen. But offensively, what Willie Green, who spent some time with Golden State's coaching staff on that bench, what he's been trying to implement now in New Orleans is Zion running the offense as sort of this point forward, Draymond Green-esque, finding his players on split cuts, whether it's Brandon Ingram, you know, cutting off of CJ McCollum, vice versa, CJ setting screens for Zion and then popping the way that Steph would set screens for Draymond and then he would pop and then that would freak the defense out. Um, There is a lot of talk right now in New Orleans of Willie Green using Zion in that point forward Draymond Green role. I don't know that it's going to work because of course they don't have the Steph Curry to Zion's Draymond here. But I find it interesting, and I'm here for it, at least to watch it early in the season. I don't see this one as much. Mostly this is Willie Green. This isn't you. This is Willie Green. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I see that one. But you know what? Let's try it. Why not? I'm down. Let's do it. I more. think I think Warriors Chris Paul is the new Raptors Akeem. <laughs> like this one to me, we're just kind of going with it as if it's not weird. It's going to be weird. And if it doesn't work, we're going to look back in like 10 years and be like, what? He was on the Warriors? What? Look at that. That's weird. Or could it, could it be... Dennis Rodman leaving the Pistons and joining the Bulls, where they no, were like no, rivals. Oh, and then... <laughs> it's too late. Is this Warriors week. West checking in? For I didn't realize Warriors <laughs> West was. Uh, it's too late. I like Chris Paul and the Warriors, but I, I'm with you. It's weird. I just like I like it for the story. I like it for how weird it is. Oh, you like the story? Oh, the worst story ever told. It no, it's great when when fans hate a player and then are forced to cheer for that player. Like this almost happened to me. Tom Brady almost coming to the Miami Dolphins. I was at a crossroads. Like, this was going to be very right. right. Do I cheer for this guy who beat us every year and prevented us from doing the things that we wanted to do? The answer was probably going to end up being yes if he did end up here. And I feel like for Warriors fans, this is like the nightmare scenario, but now they have to cheer for him. Like, how is that not awesome? That's a great storyline. All right. It's Friday, which means it's down oh, to. Hold on, I got a couple, I got a couple more. I got a, I got a, oh. I got just a few more here. The Blazers are the new Jazz, and here's what I mean. Last year, the Utah Jazz make a trade that was a reset trade, and then they storm out the gate, and everyone's like, "Hold on, is this a playoff team? They're probably too good, and they have to pull the plug, and then they're bad." I think the Blazers might do that this year. They're not bad enough just to be terrible. I could see them having a really hot 25 games and people going, hmm, are they good? And then and then they turn into the team that everybody thought they were and finish outside the play. I've got the Magic as the new Thunder. Okay, I like it. And I think the Thunder are the new Grizzlies. Where, <laughs> like, they just, they're young, but it all comes together, and then they just start winning a, a bunch of regular season games, and it just works, all and they right. have a dude. Um, I like this. I like the new this and the new that. Um, it's all yeah. good. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is with the new Steve Nash. I have that, but that's been out there. All right, but I'm in on it. Uh, and then Kai Jones is, is the new Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If you ask Kai Jones, he's <laughs> he's living that goat life. So all right, Kai Jones, who got waived. Yeah. By the way, goat life though. Um. All right, it's Friday, which means it's time to count down to the weekend. What do you have for us today, Adam? Well, in light of ESPN's new ranking. Jokic number two. I just thought I would remind people of a few things that Jokic did very recently that people might forget. This is the top five things people might have already forgot that Jokic did. All right. 
Uh, I'll give you a couple honor, honorable mentions. He shot below 50% last year. You know, he played 70 games. Shot below 50% three times. Three three times he shot below 50%. And that's an honorable mention? That's honorable mention. This isn't, we're not in the top five yet. He had more games where he shot 90% than he had that shot under 50. Um, he had a second career triple-double on 100% shooting. This is also honorable mention. Second time it's happened. Um, and let me see the last honorable mention here. He had a game where he had 40 points, 27 rebounds, 10 assists, 40-point triple-double, almost a 40-30-10, which, you know, would have been fun. But Those are just honorable quick, mentions. Just honorable mention. To run through, number five, he anchored the fourth-best defense in the playoffs and the second-best to make it out of the second round. Earlier, you were talking about the defense, you know, well, the Giannis, I mean, on the defensive end. I mean, we got to do this. People don't realize Denver locked up. How many How many points did Miami – how many times did Miami score under 100 in the finals? Was it three times out of five? Yeah, that was a lot of Miami being its own way too. But, yeah, fair enough. No, like, look, Denver was, what, tw- top 12 in defensive rating in the regular season? That wasn't a bad defensive team. Yeah. Uh, number four, he shot 46% from three. Three and a half attempts in the playoffs. 40, 46, people forget 46%. Now he doesn't else. even have to dribble. He just picks it up uh, off the roll and just shoots it from 32 feet. Yeah, half of those were on one leg, by the way. Um, number three, he scored 53 points in a playoff game. Again, he's no nobody talks about him as a three-point shooter. He has a greater run than Dirk had in the playoffs, three-point shooting. Nobody talks about him as a scorer. You know who never scored 53 in a playoffs? Shaquille O'Neal. Adam, I, I know what you're doing here, and I just I'm so sick of the advanced stats with the yeah. Jokic argument. Like 53 points is like I can I don't know. It's like, like I can handle these advanced skill. statistics, these these metrics that you need. Um, number two, he had not one but two 30 20 10 games in the playoffs. 30 20 10. Wes, this has only happened five times in NBA history, mm-hmm. playoffs regular season. Three of them belong to Jokic. Who are the other two? Do you have those? Kareem and Wilt. Yeah. Wow. And then number one, Wes, people might have forgot. He won an NBA championship. Just, <laughs> just going to remind you. They might have forgot. They might not have remembered that one. But He's also the MVP of that championship run, That's too. Right. Uh, it, you and I are on the Jokic thing. <laughs> I think most people are um, at this point. How could you not be? Um, he's number one. Giannis is a close number two. He's a close number two. Hopefully we see it in the finals. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Every day is make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. The show is going to be back on Monday with the biggest stories from the NBA weekend. And until next Friday, you can find me over at Locked on Heat and Adam over at Locked on Nuggets. Everybody, have a great weekend.